When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Michelle Branch performs live at Maryland Hall for the Annapolis Songwriters Festival this Thursday night. She joined me to discuss the craft of songwriting on hits like Everywhere, All You Wanted, and Are You Happy Now, as well as songs like Leave the Pieces by her acclaimed but short-lived country duo, The Wreckers. Hey, Michelle Branch, hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in D.C. Uh, of course. So stoked to talk to you guys. We're talking because you are coming to perform at Maryland Hall in Annapolis on September 14th. And it's part of something called the Annapolis Songwriters Festival. I believe I read that it's modeled after the, the Key West Songwriters Festival. But I'm looking at this lineup and it's incredible. It's you, it's Blondie, Leanne Rimes, Patty Griffin, Marty Stewart, Kay Michelle. There's there's so many. But uh, do, do you know how it's going to work? Like, are you all playing different spots around town? Are you going to, like, collaborate on stuff? Or is it all, like, individual, you know, you just do your own thing at different spots? Uh, honestly, I have no idea, but if I had my way, I will be fangirling Blondie and Patty Griffin and <laughs> like singing every song from side stage. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how it'll work out, but, uh, when I saw the lineup, I was, I was kind of asked last minute to do it and I saw the lineup and I was like, yes, sign me up 100%. So I'm pumped to, uh, to be in town and play among such great songwriters. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're in the same town as, as Blondie and Patty Griffin and the rest, you got to make time to somehow find a way to pick their brains. <laughs> but um, but I guess what audiences, yeah. I mean, it, it is a songwriters festival. So I guess I should ask, like, to you, what is the key to good songwriting? Is it like visual storytelling? Is it writing from a place, a personal place? I don't know. To you, what what is, what is the, the next? <laughs> Um, if you, if you find out the secret of it, will you tell me? Cause then it would really make my life easier. Um, I don't know. I mean, for me as a fan, as a music fan, like I always, um, connect with things that have like an emotional pull to it. Um, so that's kind of the space that I always try to write from. Um, but you know, it's songwriting is one of those things like you can, you can spend years doing it, but then out of the blue, an idea will literally fall from the sky. And that becomes the thing that people, you know, gravitate towards. Um, so it's really just kind of magic in that way. Maybe it's just being open to those ideas when they fall from the sky, being able to, you know, grab them at the right yeah. time and, and put it down on paper or something like that, maybe. Well, uh, I want to know. Yeah. I, yes, you're right. You're right. It is such an ambiguous thing we're trying to describe, but uh, you've been great at it over the years. So let's remind folks how you, how you got into song, 
how you got into songwriting to begin with. Um, I know you were born in Sedona, Arizona. Um, yeah, what, what do you have any or, or you know early or early efforts that you laugh and look back at, like you know sitting on the side of your bed jotting down lyrics or anything, or, or just how you got into music in general, really? Honestly, I remember writing songs as early as like eight years old. I remember sitting in my backyard on the swing set and just humming melodies and making up words and not realizing that what I was doing was actually writing songs. And my dad, um, on family road trips with my parents um, and my siblings, my dad had this game where we would like rewrite um, funny lyrics to existing songs. Um, so like that was a game we would play often. But um, ironically, Patty Griffin, who was playing on the same bill, was one of my really, really early inspirations. When I was 15, I was given a mixtape of um, some of her music, and I just was completely inspired and blown away. And I asked for a guitar for my 15th birthday, and um, my uncle gave me one to borrow. And I just I got a chord book and started trying to teach myself and kind of started writing songs pretty soon after that. So um, in the grand, in the timing of everything, it's pretty wild because by the time I was 16, I had a record deal and the spirit room, my first album came out when I had just turned 18. Yeah. I think a lot of people forget how early it was when all that started happening for you. And uh, I definitely want to get to the spirit room in one second, but real quick, I wanted to ask about something that I read before that. I know you did that little like self-produced kind of a thing in the broken bracelet indie thing. Um, and didn't, yeah. Didn't, didn't, is it true you posted a couple songs on, on online, like rollingstone.com or something. And that caught the attention of Hanson. <laughs> It's a, it, it's a little more complicated than that. But yes, there was Rolling Stone had just started this thing where you could upload music as an independent artist. And so I had put music up on there, but um, I was living in Sedona, Arizona with my mom and dad because I was a teenager. And uh, my mom's friend worked at this timeshare resort nearby and she got this guy in to do a timeshare tour and she asked him what he did for a living. And he said, I'm from Los Angeles. I'm in the music business. And so unbeknownst to him, he went on this timeshare tour. And in the meantime, she called me and was like, get down here. There's a guy who works for a record company and he's here. Um, so I was home alone, didn't have my driver's license. My parents were at work and I went and borrowed my neighbor's golf cart and I drove down to this resort and I was waiting there with a tape um, and literally cut my photo out of a family photo and stuffed it in the tape um, as my like, you know, makeshift eight by 10. And I was there to give it to him um, when he came out of the tour and he had uh, a relationship with the band Hanson and when he listened to the tape, he ended up calling me back and had called Hanson's manager saying, there's, there's a girl in Sedona, Arizona, who's pretty good. Like, what's your advice? And they were like, oh, does she want to open some shows for us? So the next thing you know, I was in LA opening up for Hanson and someone from Maverick Records was in the audience and came backstage and offered me a record deal afterwards. It was pretty crazy. 
That is a fantastic story. You hopped on a golf cart because your parents weren't home and you cut a family <laughs> photo out, stuffed it in a demo tape and drove it down. And that is amazing. Okay. Wow. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, that was before, before MySpace. You had to put it up on rollingsun.com, I guess. But um, wow. Yep. So that's great. So then yep. as you said, that leads to you getting signed by Maverick, um, the record, Maverick Records, uh, Madonna's label. Um, and then that, that brings out that amazing first album, The Spirit Room in, in 01. Of course, feature, the first lead, the hit single, the first one was Everywhere, you know, because you're everywhere to me. Um, talk about, um, right, I mean, we're t this is a songwriter's festival, so I want to do deep dives on, on this, you know. Uh, uh, you know, we remember <laughs> it on TRL MTV, but I want to go into the, you know, the craft of writing everywhere, you know. Any good tidbits on, you know, how you structured that one? That song, that's one of those that I touched on earlier, that kind of magic falls from the sky thing. Um, everywhere was that. Uh, we, I was in the studio with my producer, John Shanks, and we were getting toward the end of the album. And uh, one day I was like, yeah, I kind of have this idea that's been like kicking around. And, and I played it for him. Um, and my A&R guy who worked at the label had told me when I played it for him, he was like, oh, don't bother with that one. Like, don't, you know, leave it off. And I just couldn't get it out of my head. So I played what I had for John and he was like, no, I, I think we should work on this. I was like, really? Like I was told we shouldn't waste time working on this. And uh, next thing you know, it was, you know, a massive hit and it's like really, uh, I'm really grateful that John could like hear through my, my little original idea to, to let it become what it became. Absolutely. Well, yeah, that song was everywhere after it came out. Um, but before we move off of that album, one final one, I have to ask about all you wanted. I mean, if you want to, I will save you. I mean, it looped in in the minds of so many uh, folks growing up back then. It was a soundtrack of all our lives. Uh, but uh, I think there was even a VH1 pop up <laughs> video. I mean, it was that was just as big as everywhere as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, uh, similar to how, how you just shared a great story about everywhere. Um, well, you know, what was the inspiration for all you wanted or, or even just the songwriting approach to that one? Yeah, um, that one's one of my favorites. Um, I wrote that in my bedroom in Sedona, Arizona. Um, and that was a, like a fully formed song that I brought in when I went to record. Um, and it was just, uh, I, I don't know, young teenage love. I mean, a lot of the record was was written before I had even really had a real boyfriend. <laughs> so it was me sitting in my room, like imagining what you know, relationships would be like. And um, that was probably written about me pining after some, you know, boy in my math class or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it was a great one that connected with so many people. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Um, all right. And then, um, of course, then you followed it up with the, that second album, Hotel Paper in 03, had um, Are You Happy Now, which is a great song. I mean... Uh, I guess it was a Grammy nominated for best female rock performance. Um, but it re- and you can see why, like it really rocks out when you get to that chorus, you know, like, could you look me in? I mean, it's great. Um, I guess you're up for best new artist around that same time too. But um, yeah, I, uh, what, what was sort of the idea of that? What were you intentionally trying to maybe go for a little bit of a harder rock? I mean, everywhere and all you wanted were um, upbeat, but you know, more of a pop song, but were you trying to rock out a little more with that one? Yeah, I was. And I'm just so sad because the category of best female rock does not exist with the Grammys anymore. And I just want it to come back. Why'd they get um, rid of it? I uh, I don't know. I mean, there are so many women who are making rock music. I, I feel like we should all petition for it to come back. But um, I was I was very inspired by there's a Nine Inch Nails. Um, there's a Nine Inch Nails song that was out kind of right around then um, that had this really amazing uh, synth sound for the main like piano line. And um, I was really inspired by that. And I think people would be surprised to hear, you know, Michelle Branch based Are You Happy Now off of a Nine Inch Nails song. So (laughs) that's great. Yeah, no, Nine Inch Nails is great. And yes, bring the category back. I just pulled it up. And of course, I guess Pink Pink Trouble won that that final one in 04. Pink won. Pink, uh, a legend. But Avril Lavigne, Bonnie Raitt, Lucinda Williams, and you. I mean, that's a category. Bring it back. Um, That would be great to bring it back. It's a sick category, and I think it needs to be back, yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, of course, we can't go through all, all, don't have time to do all of them because, I mean, yes, you did, I think you won a Grammy with, you know, with Santana on the Game of Love and there's so much stuff, but I, I have to talk about the records with, with Jessica Harp. That was such a cool, you know, transition and, you know, if, you, yeah. if, if Are You Happy Now was your rock side, then you totally switch gears and like, I, I can dominate the, the country world with the records. It was a great duo. And <laughs> of course, that Grammy nominated single, Thank Leave you. the Pieces, Leave the Pieces When You Go. Um, yeah, just talk Talk about sort of putting, you know, the idea to put together that duo and, and, and that song specifically. That song is it's like an, it's going to go down as like an all timer country one, at least for me. Thank you. Um, that song is one I, I didn't write, actually. And it had been cut a few times um, by several artists. One of the bands that cut it was Little Big Town. Oh my and God. it never made it onto anyone's record. Yeah, it never made it onto anyone's record. And I heard it. Um, we were sitting in a in a pitch meeting, Jessica and I just listening to songs and I, I knew within two seconds of hearing the song that um, I thought it was a hit song and it was written by um, Jennifer Hansen and Billy Austin and it had been kind of circling around town for a while and for whatever reason would get cut and not make it on anyone's records or whatever and I just I fell in love with the song it was one of those things that I was like oh I wish I'd written this song um, so we put it on our 
album in the 11th hour and you know the rest is history but I was uh, I was out on tour with the Dixie Chicks um, prior to making the Wreckers project and was just so I, I'm such a fangirl for the Chicks and oh my God. Uh, was so inspired by them and Jessica Harp was out with me on the road singing backup and we just we were like singing harmony all the time and you know just wanting to uh, make music like the chicks. So that was really what inspired me to kind of take a, take a pause on my solo career and start a band. And, um, it was such an exciting run for us. Now, my wife opened for the chicks as a teenager. So I'm sure she, no could, way. Re- she could relate. I'm sure. Yeah. She didn't drive down on the golf cart. <laughs> that's exciting. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's amazing. Yes. They're amazing. And the records are so, the records are so awesome. And, and I think it's one of those things that, you know, yeah. My oh my and the good kind and one tree hill and all that stuff. But I think it's because you were only together for a couple years, at least my memory serves. I think it was only like two or three years. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it like holds yeah. a, a place in country history where we kind of look back where it's like it left us wanting more, if that makes sense. Um, is there uh, <laughs> I don't want to. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have no idea why you all broke up. And if it's bad memories, feel free to punt on this question. But yeah, like, is there a reason you all broke up? I mean, I know Harp did boy like me recently and you've done a ton of other solo stuff since then. Was it just time you guys want both wanted to just, you know, go back the solo route or yeah, wh- feel free to I don't want to say overshare what, whatever I, you want to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, she really wanted to to have a minute to work on her solo music, and so we pushed pause on on the records. And it's something that initially, like we kind of were like, let's just leave it where it is. Um, but now, as the years have gone on, we're like, oh, maybe we should work on another record that was really special. So we sang for a St. Jude charity in the last year um, recently, and it's just always. Um, when we sing together, it's just like one of those things that like your hair on your arm stands up. It just feels really special. So I wouldn't be surprised if we work on more music at some point together. Um, we were going to get together to write um, in 2020 and had had big plans to uh, put some studio time aside. And then of course, COVID happened and derailed us. And we both have little kids and she lives in Kansas City. So I'm I'm sure at some point we'll uh, get in a room together and write again. Well, put me down on the list of people that are begging for the records <laughs> to get back together. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, you've been so generous with your time. And I know there's so much more you've even done, you know, in that. How can I, maybe I can sum it all up into one final post records question. I know there's, um, <laughs> you know, you did a couple EPs. There was that third solo album, Hopeless Romantic. The fourth one, The Trouble with with Fever, I guess is the most recent one. Um how do I? How, yeah. If, oh, so if the, let's do it this way. If there are fans that know your early Michelle Branch stuff, if there's fans that know the the record stuff, what from what from the post records period, the Hopeless Romantic, the Trouble with Fever, like what would you say to those people that are post records fans but maybe haven't been following you as closely? Like what what should what would be a good entry point, a drop in, you know, song or two from that period that you'd be like, damn, I'm actually pretty damn proud of that one. Go check that out. You know what? I'm I'm so proud of the record um, that I made in 20. 17 hopeless romantic um it's to me um it's an album that kind of like went under the radar and didn't really get as much attention as I think it deserved um and a fun kind of fact is there's a song on the album called fault line and I wrote it with this guy Dan Nigro who uh went on to be Olivia Rodrigo's main um 
co-writer and and um, partner in, in making her records and wrote driver's license with her and stuff. So um, I just think he's a fantastic writer and uh, check out the song Fault Lines. Awesome. Yeah. Final seconds. Do you hope that there may be some other young girls or boys for that matter that that might hear your stuff sitting on their own uh, on their own swing set <laughs> and you hope you inspire them to hop <laughs> in the golf cart and, you know, but yeah. Or yeah. Like, uh, do, do you hope that I'm trying to talk about, like, you know, bringing it full circle and giving back to the next generation? Like, do you hope there are other young Michelle branches out there that you might inspire on their own swing sets? I mean, I am such a massive fan of so many different people. And the biggest compliment is when someone says, you know, I picked up the guitar because of you. And um, to me, that will never, ever get old. And, um, you know, I'm 40 years old now. And it's it's been a while since I've heard that. So <laughs> hopefully I, I hear that... Um, from other artists like Taylor Swift has told me before, like I was such a huge fan and you made me want to write songs. So like, that's how that goes. It's like, you know, it trickles down and um, it's all just one cool kind of chain and um, I'm honored to be part of it. There you go, folks. You hear that uh, DC listeners, Michelle Branch uh, created Taylor Swift. <laughs> Just kidding. No, not, no, no, it's not what I'm saying. No, yeah, no, you, that's the headline. No, no, I'm just kidding. No, yeah, no, it's, uh, but it's true. You know, it's, it's artists inspire other artists in ways they don't even know. And then they go off and Taylor becomes Taylor Swift or whatever. But like, it's, it's all part of a, a continuum and it's, it's really cool to watch. Uh, well, yeah. thanks so much. Maybe you'll have some people coming up at the Annapolis Songwriters Festival telling you similar things <laughs> that you inspired them. Uh, come see Michelle Branch. It's going to be at the Maryland Hall in Annapolis on September 14th, as well as all those other crazy live lineup of artists of Blondie and Leanne Rhymes and Patty Griffin and the rest. So, hey, thank you so, so much for making time for us today. Of course. So great talking to you. All right. Take it easy. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.